Mitä pelataan podcast? My favorite games of all time. 2020 edition. Part 9, positions 27 to 19. Welcome, 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 welcome back to the list. Now we are at the third last episode of the list of my favorite games. Today's list has only four games that were in the list. All of them are about on same spots. All of them came down a bit. One came down 20 positions, but there's a reason for that. And there are two very new games. And actually there are five older games. I forgot to mark one as being older, but now that I read the names, of course it's older. It has actually come up a bit, but it's almost on the same position. And there are two games that I hadn't played when the list came out. They were actually published a bit after that list. If I remember right, both of them were published in Spiel 2018. Today we go in theme from different places to some islands and old places. And we even take a trip to the space... But anyway, let's begin without making this longer than it should be. It seems that it's not going to a good direction. (laughs) Enjoy. On the 27th position, the first game in this list, or actually this is a bit of a cheat, there are many games on this spot. This was on my fifth position last time when I made this list. And these games are from 2016 and 17, and I have three placeholders here. They are these escape room games. Actually, I have four, but the newest one in the one of them kind of disappointed me, but I'll get back to it in a moment. So these are the escape room games. I have listed here Exit, Unlock, and Escape Room series, and also Deckscape, but the newest one that I played in Deckscape series, the Eldorado one, it was so easy. It was ridiculously easy. There was not much game. I mean, even even my, my wife said after playing that, why do you make us play these kinds of games that there have no challenge in them, that they're so easy that we could have just sat and read the cards. There was no puzzle or anything. Just took a bit of time. And I agree, it was very easy. I don't like the easiest in this series. Same with Exit, I don't like the... What was it called? Something was like, it's on rails. It was easy, it was too easy, it was holding your hand. But the most difficult one, or most difficult ones in this Exit series, especially the Dead Man on the Orient Express, that was my favorite in that series. And the Pharaoh's Tomb or something from the first season, was really difficult for us as well. I've played all of these two-player and they are very good two-player games. Uh, Exits are one use if you don't want to go through the trouble of printing and such, but we are not doing that. We are just breaking the contents when we play and play as they're supposed to be played. Uh, They are mostly by Inga and Markus Brand. There are some co-designers in some parts listed but these are really good games and they always have this wheel and from the wheel you 
match the symbols and then you get the codes or what you need to get. It's that kind of a system. Unlock is reusable. The boxes come with three packets of cards and three different missions. We've played all but Epic so far. The Epic one is there sitting on the table, still in shrink wrap. I just ordered it from Pelipeco because they received some Spirit Islands and the Spirit Island price is the only <laughs> sane one in Finland. It seems that all other shops everywhere have raised their prices, but Pelipeco had the real price for the game, so I immediately ordered it when they got the restock and took the unlock epic with it as it was waiting basically for that spirit island to come. Uh, unlocks have become better and better. I've liked the new sets more than the previous. Not all the sets, but these two newest ones, this Timeless and Heroic, have been quite interesting to us. And all of them we've played two player except the, the Island of Dr. Goose, Gors, Gears, however you pronounce that from the first box because it seemed that it would be very difficult if you have to split the two player into two groups. Just not to spoil it, but you have to split in that mission. So maybe that one needs to be played with more than two players. Others are very good with two. And Unlock is probably my favorite currently. Also, if we buy the Unlock here in this Joensu area that I live in, one buys it and sells to next one and sells to next one. So only the one who buys it first loses some money. The others just move it forward with the same price and then someone sells it further. So in a way, one person sacrifices and buys the box. Usually me, but also Hannu from Hukkaresu bought the previous one, timeless one, and we just swapped it. Uh, escape room the game I haven't played for a while, but I like it that it's the most escape room from these games. It simulates the escape room somehow well, in my opinion. The missions have been easy that we played. We played two or three from the main box. And there were lots of difficulty getting the English expansions from Europe. At least I couldn't find them from anywhere. I have two small expansions, Casino and some other one. <laughs> I don't remember which one they are in the drawer. I haven't looked at them or seen them for maybe two years. <laughs> but they still are there waiting. And I like it that this comes with this uh, device that you put these keys in a certain arrangement and then... It says that if it's right or wrong and it has the same feeling. It beeps when you can get the next tip for the game and it's sticking and it gives the feeling of an escape room to me the most, in my opinion. Exit series are published by Cosmos and unlocks are by Space Cowboys. This escape room the game is by Spin Master, I think. Yes, it's by Spin Master. They... They have a Finnish version currently as well available in the markets here, but the Finnish publisher is not listed in BoardGameGeek, so I don't now remember who published it in Finnish. I don't think it's Lautapelit. It might be Competo or something. I, I don't I don't say anything because I don't now know. I could check it, but I don't know if it's worth the effort. <laughs> Deckscapes are by DV Giochi. And they are the easiest in my opinion and also 
just a deck of cards that goes in your in your pocket like it says a deck escape so deck escape and that's the cool thing that they're just a box of cards and you just read the cards and then you play but the Eldorado was so easy that I don't know if the one will play the next one with me. I have the Curse of the Sphinx and the what's the other new one from last autumn. I got them from Spiel. And let's see. I hope they become better. I will review all of them in a lump at some point. But you already know what I think about Eldorado a bit. The London one was probably the best. And also that Haste in Venice was nice because there was some different things that you do with the cards. That was cool, but also a bit, <laughs> yeah, unnecessary maybe, but it was cool. Maybe Haste in Venice is the best from them. But this Eldorado was a huge disappointment to me. I was really looking forward to the team, but <sighs> yeah, that's how it is. On 27th position in this list. Escape room games or puzzle games. I had to go and check the publisher of that escape room in Finnish and it seems that it's also made by Spin Master and Identity Games. So that's interesting. And they also came up with the two-player version it seems. So we are out of the loop here. <laughs> we are playing the normal version two-player but none of these have been too difficult with only two players. Now on to the next one. On 26th position in this list is a game that is one of my most played games, at least among the ones that I've locked. And this is from 2010. It won the Spiel des Jahres that year. It's originally by Abacus Spiele, if I remember right. I have the Abacus Spiele pocket version in a shiny metal silver box with very worn out cards inside because it doesn't fit sleeves. And this is Hanabi by Antoine Bosa. Hanabi is a innovative game. And especially at the time when it came, there wasn't that many this kind of games. And this is by far the best with three, in my opinion. The three being me, Han from Hukkaresu and Juho Zatras, who is streaming nowadays content in Twitch. He's also somehow affiliated with Hukkaresu. We played it tens of times, the three of us, and those have been the best games of Hanabi that I've played. You have cards in your hand, and you try to put the cards to the table in all the colors, if you have five or six, depending on you what difficulty you want. You have to put them to the table in a ascending order from one to five, one card at a time, and on your turn everyone either places a card, discards a card, or gives a tip to the other one. Why would you keep tips? Well, the trick is that you don't see your cards. You have the cards backwards and others see your cards, but you don't. And that's what makes it so interesting because when you give tips to someone, those someones have to somehow remember the tips. I mean, you can move the cards in your hand and you can turn them another way or sideways or however, as long as you remember. But if you begin playing this game, you need to implement some house rules. Otherwise it will be just a misery and nothing will go as you want. The most important house rule is that, like in Bonanza, you take cards to 
one end of your hand and you discard them from one end of your hand. Otherwise, no one can keep track what is going out or not. That's the most important thing in this game, even if you play the first time. Decide that will you discard from left side or right side and take the new cards to the other side, because then the other players know which cards will be leaving your hand, which cards you will discard the next, if nothing is given on them, if someone doesn't give a tip or anything on them. That makes the game <laughs> at least playable. Without that, it's just random chaos and you cannot really enjoy the game. But with that small adjustment, this game is very, 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 very good and enjoyable and almost endlessly replayable. And you can add this sixth color, multicolor fireworks to the game as well and you can do it in two different ways to make it more difficult. If you haven't played it, I really suggest you try. It's very cheap also, these small box versions. So you can just get it and try it and if you don't like it, you can put the cards to your oven. No, not in an electric oven, into a wood oven and use them as a light igniter or something else. <laughs> if nothing else, the cardboard burns probably very well. But I suggest everyone to try this, it's a great game. And more important for the whole industry than some people want to admit. On 26th position, a game that was on 31st position last time, Hanabi. On 25th position in this list is a game from last year. I got this game from Spiel. It was the one of the first games that I ran to get in the convention. Probably it was even the first one that I bought there. And it's by Capstone Games in the US, but in Europe it's by DLP Games and by Games Up. It's designed by Alexander Fister and it's Maracaibo. Uh, Maracaibo is everything that I wanted Great Western Trail to be. Great Western Trail is, in my opinion, overrated, it's too easily solvable and it's boring. Maracaibo has a lot better theme, it has more interaction between players and you can better adjust what you do. It has multiple options, it has the story mode which is also great. You add places to the map when you advance. It doesn't matter if the other people have played the story earlier. Maybe if you play a story in the later part of the whole storyline, maybe then it matters if someone didn't play earlier, but in the beginning it just adds things to the map. Even during the campaign, I mean even during the single missions, you add things to the campaign when you solve the stories or when you resolve the cards. Yeah, this is basically you go around in a rondel kind of area from place to another on the sea. You stop at harbor cities, you do things, you try to get good crew for your boat, you try to get money, you try to get points, you try to get influence in the nations that are battling in the area. And I really, really enjoyed this game. I haven't played this enough to tell in more detail that what are the best things about this game, but I want to play it with two people as soon as possible. And I hope that it will be very soon. <laughs> and that's about it on 
25th position in this list, a newcomer, Maracaibo. On 24th position in this list is a game that is also published by Capstone Games in the US and Frosted Games in the Europe, the English version at least. This is also from the Spiel last year, but Kleros gave me a review copy of this game. They had a dented copy and Clay asked that, is it fine if I give you a dented copy? I said that, are you crazy? Of course it's fine. Come on. Who would turn down a free copy of a game, even if it has a small dent? And if you are hanging around in Board Game Geek and if you read my reviews, you know that this is Cooper Island by Andreas Orendal. This is a brain-melting device. At least if you haven't played it so many times that it doesn't melt your brain, but I don't see it happening very quick. You have your own peninsula where you can scout the area, but basically you can build it. You can make higher piles of tiles, and the higher the pile of tile, the more resources it gives you. Like if a forest is tree high, it gives you tree wood and then you try to build monuments you try to move your boat around the island it's a point track also when you move around the island and every time you hit a sand bank that has a islet tile on it you get some bonus and you just go around and then you <laughs> try to get points you go to the other players starting areas and move the boats and I really like how everything is in a way very well tied together in this game. And also in the beginning you have only a few workers and you do the actions and the first three rounds of the game it seems that they just pass by. That is the game ending, what is happening? But then when you get more workers, oh it escalates so badly because you then have to think that I will do this, 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 this and this and this will affect this, this, this and this and this and I will collect these resources and use this, 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 this and now because I have more resources because my island is bigger and a higher level of tiles I can do this, 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 this so it's like a, how can I say, it's like a rosebud that opens when it grows and then it's a, in full bloom at the end of the game and it doesn't last too long it's not too short it's the exact length of a brain burning game and this is a masterpiece by Ode thank you for making this and Clay thank you for giving me this on 24th position Cooper Island on 23rd position in this list it seems that we are still all on an island and we don't seem to get rid of these islands for a while. The next one is not in an island, but this is in a, on an island. This is a bit older game, it's from 2012 and it's uh, designed by Ignacy Trevicek and published by Portal Games. It's one of the most difficult cooperative games that I've played and this is Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Cursed Island. This is a game that to use a way that Z Garcia used earlier to describe ghost stories. This is that kind of a game that when you open the box it hits you, then you looked at what was it and it already kicks you again and then hits you and slaps your face and so so on. I mean you know that it's difficult when you try to play it, but then when you play it 
you always have this small glimmer of hope. You, yes, that worked well. I mean, you think that now everything is going well. I have food, I have shelter. And then you roll those snows and those rains on the dice and then you have monsters visiting. And then in the next morning when you wake up, you have one banana, half eaten, and you have just one leaf in your other hand. And that's what happens when you <laughs> feel that everything is going well in this game. It's It has great mechanism that when you go on adventure and such, if you take a card, you don't read the whole card, you read part of the card and you decide what to do. And some cards go to the deck and let's say that you find nice looking berries in the forest, or maybe it's a jungle in this island, but anyway. And you think that, hmm, I should eat them. And then you eat them and you put the card to the deck. When it comes from the event deck, then it might say that, okay, the berries were poisonous, you die. And the game ends. No, they don't kill you probably, but at least I haven't seen one. But they give you something like stomachache or something and they become problematic. You get something positive and then you get something negative afterwards. It's a bit similar than Anachrony that I talked about in the previous episode. That you can, if you need something, you can take it, but you have to be able to pay it back. Here, now I'm thinking... Actually, now it came to my mind that it's a very similar mechanism that, in a way, if you want, you can get good now and possibly get bad later. Or maybe you don't get bad, but you don't know unless you've seen that card earlier. We're actually playing with the wife. We haven't played for a while, but we're playing with the wife in a way that whatever cards we use, we don't get to the next game. So what cards we have seen, I'm turning the other way so we don't use them in the next game. I want to go through all these cards and then begin mixing them. Some might say that oh, it's cheating, it's cheating if you get all the bad cards in one game. So what? It's my game. I don't care. I want to see all the cards. If I every time mix all the cards, it might be that I'm seeing the same cards over and over. I don't want that. Because then I know what they mean. And what they do. So shh. My decision. And you should do the same if someone says to you like that. Especially in a cooperative game. If someone outside the playing group says that you shouldn't do that, then say that I don't care what you say, it's my game, I play the way I want. It's a bit different in competitive games of course, but for cooperative games that you play in a group and if the group agrees to do something then I don't see a reason why not. It's not like you do up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start, I think. Or was it was it A A B B? You you know what I'm talking about if you get the clue. But anyway, this is very interesting and great game and we should get it back to the table. We played it many times in a succession. Last time we played it, but we haven't touched it for a while. And yeah. Punishing but very pleasant in a way. It's not pleasant but pleasant in a way. I also also have this first Martians, but I still didn't try it. I bought it years ago from UK Games Expo. It was in a ridiculous sale. It was maybe 20 pounds or something like that. It's still unplayed. I tried to look at the rules and then I thought that, okay, maybe I wait for a while. Because I also saw and heard some criticism that the app isn't working very well at that point. Now it should work, now I can try it and it seems interesting. I think it's the reverse Robinson Crusoe. So there everything is going well in the beginning and then everything begins breaking apart. Here everything is very bad in the beginning and everything begins going well 
but like I said, <laughs> then the game brings you back to the ground. It doesn't let you fly too high <laughs> in your dreams. It drops you down and it hurts when you drop. And that's what's the best thing in this game. Robinson Crusoe Adventures on the Cursed Island was on my 23rd position this time. Now we finally get off the island as the game on the 22nd position is located in uh, Southern America. In the previous episode I said that Keyflower could switch a place with one game and this is the game that it could switch the place because I've played this online now a few times after making this list and I think this doesn't need to be this high. It's it's a bit getting boring in the online implementation. I want to play this in physical form soon. I mean, I I really like this game, but something is missing when you play it online. Something is missing. It's too difficult to follow. A bit like in the Razas of the Ganges that I talked about earlier. That it's difficult to follow the game and what everyone are doing. Because it takes time between turns. This is by Daniele Tassini and published in 2018 and this is Teotihuacan City of Gods. I also have the expansion, the first expansion, the late pre-classic period for the physical version of the game. That's not in board game arena yet so I probably, and not probably, I definitely want to try with that expansion. And this is published by Board and Dice. And it's somehow interesting, this reminds me so much of Tolkien. They are like siblings, almost like twins. Not identical, but twins. They have so much same feeling. Of course they are in a similar area. I'm not now sure that if Teotihuacan is for Incas or I might say wrong, but... Was it a city in the Inca or Maya or Aztec? It's in the Aztec empire it seems. So anyway, now we need something about Incas from this. Maybe Tekhenu was about obelisk, so it's in Egypt. How about Tavantin, so you... I don't know where that is from. Anyway, I'm I'm digressing too much now. But we need something about Incas. In the same style or same atmosphere than these two are. Yeah, in Teotihuacan you have dice. The dice are your workers and the value on the die means basically how experienced the worker is and the higher it is the more and better actions you can do when you go to a place you move the die in a clockwise direction the table is kind of a rondel you move certain number of steps forward and then when you land you do the action in that place you pay a cost if there are other workers on that place and then you try to gain the more points by the end of the game and win the game. When your worker is 6 they pass to the next life and you get a new worker instead and you get a bonus. The game ends when the eclipse comes three times I think and that's about it. You build the pyramid in the middle, you can build decorations, you have lots of different strategies in this game that you can do. You can go up on the tracks the card tracks and I've seen many different strategies do well in this game mostly because of playing it online I've seen people do something strange 
that I wouldn't do. I always tend to go with the strategy that fits me the best I want to build and I want to do everything. That's obviously not the best thing in this game. You shouldn't do everything. You should focus on a few things and then win the game if you want to win. But I mostly just want to play. And the tiles are very nice to handle. Of course you can't do that in online version. So maybe that's also what brings it down a bit. But anyway, at this time on 22nd position in my list, Teotihuacan, City of Gods. I forgot to say earlier, by the way, that Robinson Crusoe was previously on 13th position in the list when I made it the last time. On 21st position, before we go to the top 20, is a game that was on position 15 last time, so not much movement there. I haven't played it since making the list last time, but I should play it because this is a fantastic game. And this has all the reason to be even higher. It's one of my favorite 4x style games. I don't know if this is really 4x. It's close to. And this is sadly out of production. This would do very, very well with expansions. That It can take new races. You can implement Tyranids into this easily. You can implement other marines you can implement other races in the warhammer 40,000 universe this is forbidden stars it's published by fantasy flight games and designed by samuel bailey james kniffen and cory konitschka this is a really 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 good game i like it that everyone and everything is very close to each other but then you have these barriers that are blocking you from going directly from one side to one side and i adore the system in this game that you put this now i try to sound like patrick from blueback pinkback i adore the system in this game that you put your tokens on the map into the place where you try to or want to do that token and you can put tokens over the other tokens. So basically if someone is going too eagerly, you can look at the players a bit. If they are too eager to go somewhere, you can just put your least important token to that place on top of that. And before you remove your token, they cannot play their token. So basically you're blocking them from doing that action until you do yours. It works so well. Now I really want to play this soon again. And... Yeah, it's so, so pity that they don't make more for this game. Because you could make so many expansions and so easily make the expansions for this game. And if some other company begins or recreates this game, please make it so that the expansions can be added to this. I don't want to sell mine. I found my copy after it had been sold out. Almost everywhere I found an English copy in Europe for even an okay price. It wasn't cheap, but it wasn't expensive either. Much less than it costs now to get the game. <laughs> but anyway, this is a great game. What a fantastic space race game, 4X. On 21st position in the list, Forbidden Stars. Now we are in top 20 and on the 20th position in this list is a 
game by a star designer, in my opinion, at least he's one of the stars in my designerscape or designer universe. Uh, this is probably the prettiest looking game from him and it's published in 2018 by Ravensburger and Alea and it's very colorful also. The cover is almost perfect and very thematic looking unlike other games from this designer of the series and it's Carpe Diem. And if you've seen the box and the game, you know that all those things about the art style were <laughs> a bit exaggerated. But yeah, it's not as ugly as people say that it is. I have the first version, I immediately got it when I saw it available. I thought that it might not be that good, but oh my god is it good. It's so quickly playing, It's you do your turn and when you're placing the tile that you took, it's already your turn again. It's like, it goes in so good pace, the game. And it's by Stefan Feld, he's the star. So there's a star in the middle, I'm talking about this older version, this circle is nonsense. There was no need to change it. The only needed change in the game was that you should have originally already made the backs of the tiles a bit more different color. I mean, I was punching the game and then I thought, what the, why am I missing these dark green tiles? And then I noticed that I just punched all of them to the same pile because there was no difference in color. I'm not color blind or anything. I differentiate colors usually depending on the light, but usually very, very well. Sometimes if the light is not good, I might not differentiate all the colors, but I have no color blindness or anything else except when it comes to some types of lights. And they are so close to each other. I mean, you really have to be careful that you don't mix them. And I'm actually thinking that I should make a cross to the back of the tile or something to know that which are which. Are which. Actually, that's a good idea. I'll do it next time when I play the game. I'll make a cross to them. Or another mark. Basically, on your turn, you move your guy take one tile from the four available and then it's the next player's turn. You place it to your area, there are different kinds of buildings that are uh, just one size buildings, then there is houses, you try to complete them and get many chimneys to the house to get your points, then there are lakes and farmyards and some third one and you try to make those as well and it's a puzzle that you can't do everything well, but you can do everything a bit and then you will block yourself and someone else will block you from finishing something and that's one part of it. Another part is that the scoring works in a very interesting way. There are different types of scoring cards that are put on the table or the board and all of them have this small piece in a way. It's with color, but a small piece taken out of all four sides of them. And when you arrange them, wherever you can fit the disc in the middle of those cards, or between the cards, that's when you can score that card. So a card that is in the middle might have three sides where a disc can be placed. But card at the top, depending on the pattern, depending on the number of players, card on the top might have only two open places where you can score. And wherever you place this disc for scoring, you have to do that. 
and it's one use. When it's used, no one else can put the disc there. But if you can't score, you will get minus points. And if you can score, then you can score. If you can score it five times, then you can score it five times. All of the scoring is not points. Some can give you some other goods or bread or such. And you just have to figure out what is the best to do at the current moment. And this is... You can really hurt the other player in this game well if you want to. And you get some bonuses for completing certain rows or putting certain buildings on a line in your board and those board borders are changeable so you can have different setups and layouts when you play. This was surprisingly good in my opinion and it deserves a place in the heart of many more players than it already has. Just don't look at the cover, don't look at the art, just feel the mechanisms, feel the quickness of the game, feel how snappy it is. That you can't even finish your own turn. It's fantastic. On the 20th position in this list. Carpe diem. On the 19th position in this list. Is a game that is all that I said earlier. It has very great artwork. Like many Libelud games have. This is published in 2012. It's designed by Regis Bonnese, or Regis Bonnese, depending on <laughs> how you if you try to pronounce it or not. But anyway, this game is Seasons. This is a fantastic two-player game. And now this year we've been able to play it with the expansions with the wife. I've also played it online. I like this more on the table than online. I don't know why, because it should have all the qualities to be a good online game you can see the cards all the time and you can think your turn and especially if you don't play it real time but on the table there's something tactile with the dice and everything and also when you play with two players you don't get all the dice at the same time because all the dice are different they have different sides so at some time you can have a situation that in one color you don't have let's say the sides that give you cards or that you have Sides that give you very few of the things that you should get that season. And the variation will change in two-player game. Not so much when there's more players, because more of the dice will be in use. But that's one of the best things in two players, because you never know what is coming until you begin playing. Unless you remember the dice by heart and see that, okay, this, I will, I will pick this, I will pick this. But if you just randomly choose three dice per color and then just roll them and see that oh these are bad dice again but yeah what a great game and also the expansions make the game so much more variable anyway basically this is a game where you have cards then you should draft the cards although it takes time but you should draft the cards we do with the wife so that we draft uh, either one or two card at a time or in lumps of one and two or like two one two so on so on and so forth just to make it a bit quicker if it's one 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 the start takes a bit longer and we can get some combos at least if we take two at a time especially in the beginning so you don't know all the cards that your opponent has because otherwise in uh, drafting with two player you know what there is and it becomes more mind games and memory than 
uh, tactics and reaction like we both like to play this game. Anyway, you choose your cards, you have three cards per year. You first take three cards to your hand when a year passes, so four seasons passes. You get the three next and the next three. And at the end of the game you see how many points you have on your table and if you have unused cards and what else penalties you might get from using bonuses and then you see who has the most points and they win the game. You collect elements from different seasons, different seasons have different sides in the dice that give you different number of element tokens and those are needed to summon things, you summon magic items or monsters, not monsters but what are they? Not animals either, some kind of minions, You not, not the yellow ones who want banana and have blue jeans, banana, banana, not those ones, but other kind of minions, and you can hit the other player, either bad or not that bad, we don't play very um, aggressively, two player, we just want to make huge combos and cool effects with the cards that we have and this is a fantastic game. I, I like the artwork also and if they come up with new expansions I'm immediately getting all of them because this is just so good to play a game. And even when we played it on the kitchen table our daughter was watching and just watched us play and wanted the dice and she waited for us to finish the game. That doesn't happen with many games. She would just want us to go away from the table. She was sitting and waiting all the time saying, Can I play now? Can I play now? So we let her roll the dice when we played the last time. And she was so happy about it. And she was really liking the dice. They were so big and so on. I said to her that you can play when you're able to read English. So I have to wait a few years. But... If they come up with a version of this that uses symbols, I'll play this earlier already, as it seems interesting. The last game today, that was on 19th position, last time it was on 18th position, in this list, Seasons. That's that this time. Next time we have... It seems that the next time's list is <laughs> quite heavy by average and quite longer games and we all only have 18 games left. We are almost done. Two more left after this. I'm recording this on 18th of August right after recording the previous part and let's see if I can record the remaining parts this week or not. It depends a bit on the quietness level <laughs> in the house. Um, I hope you, you're still enjoying, I say this often but I mean it, I hope you're enjoying, if you're not please let me know what to change so you will enjoy, it might be late but if you hear this in a previous episode and talk to me about it or comment something I might be able to change something for the last two episodes. Also if you give comments I'll give you a shout out as you know if you have listened uh, it's part it's this this is part nine so if you have listened part seven anyway like always thank you for listening and i hope to see you in the not see you but hear you not hear you either i hope to talk to you in the 
episodes of the list as well. You can find this podcast on SoundCloud at Mitä Pelataan. You can find it in iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts by searching Mitä Pelataan. You can find me from Instagram and Twitter by the username Mitä Pelataan. I have a Facebook page Mitä Pelata. Also, I have a blog mitapelataan.wordpress.com where I have written reviews and collection of all these podcast episodes. You can find all the relevant links at linktree forward slash mitapelataan. You can send me email to mitapelataan at gmail.com. You can comment anywhere, anytime, anyway. And please do so. And like always, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thanks for the music. To Grimwater.